Okay, so here I am with Melanie Travis of Andy Swim. Hi. Thank you so much for doing this, Melanie. Of course. Um, as people know, we have the 100 million campaign where Tech Ireland is tracking 100 million funding for female founders in Ireland. But since I am in New York at the moment, uh, we thought we would do some interviews with female founders here. And Melanie uh, very graciously agreed to tell us about Andy Swim and tell us about your funding experience. So first of all, give us the Andy Swim story. Yeah, so Andy is a, a global e-commerce brand disrupting the market for women's swimwear. Um, so we launched in April 2017. Um, I have a background in startups in New York City, um, though not in fashion. Um, and, and really, I started Andy because I've just always struggled to find a swimsuit that feels age appropriate, price appropriate, that's easy to wear, easy to shop for. It's a really frustrating category. Um, I don't know if, what your experience has been, but, but generally when... Similar. Yeah, generally when I speak with women, they say, yeah, swimsuit shopping sucks, frankly. Um, and on top of that, what you often find out there is a sea of bikinis um, or the one pieces are like matronly or they have like cut, you know, holes, cutouts or like emoji stamps. And, you know, I just, I've always wanted just like a, a sleek, timeless design one piece in particular I, I like wearing one pieces and, and that's just so hard to find so that was the impetus for starting Andy um, and I did a crowdfunding campaign for it to raise a little bit of money um, in the fall of 2016 mm -hmm. who did you use for your crowdfunding um, I well I actually used to work at Kickstarter so okay. I know a lot about crowdfunding but I didn't use Kickstarter I used a plugin called tilt in my um, in my website uh, for a variety of reasons that I'm happy to get into at some point um, and I ran for two weeks just to get a sense I still had a full-time job and I needed to know um, would there be enough interest in this type of thing um, also my wife didn't want me to quit my job unless we knew there would be some interest uh, so it went well I ran for two weeks sold almost 300 swimsuits just on the idea of a simple timeless one piece wow. um, so then I quit my job uh, in <laughs> December 2016 and hired a swimsuit designer and I hired a website designer and we quickly got to work and we ended up launching Andy in April 2017 um, and in the meantime I had raised actually a friends and family what we call friends and family round yeah. of about $250,000 so not a lot but that was enough to put in you know to, to make a website and make a couple hundred swimsuits and we launched um, and it was just me and basically my cousin working no we weren't paying ourselves working in like a basement packing swimsuits, sending them. It was a very small sort of proof of concept, but we wanted to prove out more realistically, you know, were women interested in, you know, buying this style of swimsuit? Would they buy swimsuits online? Uh, we wanted to, you know, sort of check all the boxes. And it went pretty well, but it was a small business because we'd only raised so much money, so we would sell out of swimsuits, and then we'd have to use the money to make more swimsuits, so it was very, you know, stop and go, stop and go. Um, and so then in, in Q4 of 2017, um, I set out to secure a manufacturing partner um, to help us with our supply chain um, and our product, which is very important. Um, and in fact, well, that's where we're sitting right now. Yeah. Um, and, and then once I had that deal in place, I went out to raise venture money and in Q1 of 2018 uh, I raised 2.1 million dollars um, from the venture community um, in New York and a few other places and uh, and then we were off to the races and we had a great first season and we're speaking in early August and so um, we just were basically at the 
tail end of the summer season and it went phenomenally well uh we congratulate <laughs> thank you it went really well um so we we are now a full-time team of five and uh we're looking forward to have a really strong resort season resort you know starts in november okay um so i'm not in the resort game myself yet unfortunately but i will know about it i'm the, sure <laughs> yeah 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 exactly um so that's that's pretty much the story of of uh, it, you know high level of andy um and it's been it's been a great great ride so far and a speedy ride it has, <laughs> it has been a very speedy ride um i mean the thing with swim in particular is that it's so like you have to launch before summer and so the way things worked i knew after our first you know 2017 season that i was going to have to raise money fast if i wanted to be able to have a big 2018 season and so uh, I really, I really went out and hit the hit the fundraising trail, as they say, um, and hit it hard and fast. And and thankfully, I was I think very lucky, given what we do know about the numbers of how many women get funded and how much money they raise and et cetera, to to raise you know a couple million dollars in a relatively quick time frame. Um, but you know, I was lucky, but I also worked really hard on it. Yeah, <laughs> of course, there's no such thing as standards and luck. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So okay, so when we talk about funding. For you guys, there's there's three types of funding that you got. You got you did you did a crowdfunding campaign. Yep. You did friends and family. Exactly. And then you did a VC round. Exactly. So were the lessons learned? I mean, does it make sense to go through each one of those and kind of go, well, what we learned here was X and what we learned there? Yes. If it does, <laughs> feel free to 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 dive in there or yeah. You know, tell me tell me the stories around fundraising for. All three or whatever makes sense for you. Yeah, so this might sound weird to say, but I really recommend the path that I took with fundraising. Um, the crowdfunding campaign was really important to get a pulse on the market and if it was at all going to work, even potentially. Um, and and so you need like a temperature check um, that's relatively low risk, and a crowdfunding campaign is very low risk. So um, and you're you're not getting big checks from anybody. Uh, you're getting usually pledges for what it would be like a hundred bucks a person or something for what the product would be. Um, and so we raised like 10,000 or so dollars through that. Um, and that was great to just get a temperature check and also to develop an early community. And the people who pledged at the crowdfunding campaign level are currently our, our best customers and they come back every season and we see, we give them product ahead of a season to post on Instagram. I mean, it, it builds this, it's almost like a brand ambassador program. Yeah. So it's really important for beginning to develop your first customers and your first market. Then we went to the friends and family round. And okay, just on the, oh, on sure. the crowdfunding, because I have a question that comes up a lot to me all the time, and I know how I answer it, but you've been there. So people say, well, if I do a crowdfunding campaign, I'm putting my idea in a you know the shape of my idea not just the concept but kind of like the whole positioning of the idea out there and that makes me nervous in terms of you know people seeing it and maybe picking up and running with it I mean I know how I answer that and I, yeah. I've got an idea how you would answer that but give yeah. us give us your answer to that if you're scared of your idea getting stolen then don't do like that is just not an acceptable fear yeah. um, because at any point along the way someone could do it and let's be honest with ourselves. I saw swimsuits on the internet. It is not, you know, some like deep complex AI, you know, maybe if you're developing 
a new rocket ship that's going to the moon that has some like then fine maybe you don't want to put the the but <laughs> right. you other don't want to put the blueprint you don't want to put the blueprint of that but right. otherwise um, you cannot be scared of that type of thing um, and it does most of the time I think come down to execution and if you don't believe in yourself enough to execute on your idea then you probably shouldn't be doing it at all and if you think someone can do it better than you then you know that kind of goes hand in hand and so um, I think I think the market validation that comes from a crowdfunding campaign is so important and to be scared of someone saying oh I, I'm gonna take this idea and sell swimsuits on the internet is um, is um, is a mistake and if you look at Kickstarter you know I didn't use Kickstarter but I think it's a great platform to to look at and to study and I studied the swimsuit uh, uh, the swimsuit campaigns that were on uh, Kickstarter and I studied the female oh, I took my whole category and I looked at the most funded and, and the least funded to see what differences um, the staff picks um, and not just in swim but in women's apparel and then in the broader uh, category uh, across Kickstarter to like learn and understand um, what makes a project work and whatnot. Um, yeah. And I learned I learned a lot and I mean they've had I think over a billion dollars pledged or something so people are doing this it's not you know it's not yeah. some like crazy idea that's gonna that's gonna make your idea go away or whatever completely and, and something I because I've never done a crowdfunding campaign myself so I would always tell people to just go out and do that and, yeah. and just get your idea out there but what you're sharing what you've said which I think is really cool as well is that those customers yeah. that represented that first 10k are the people like they yeah. came back and came back came back and presented you with an early community yeah and that has been so important as we grow to validate the new styles the new color I send them google surveys now on you know their new their favorite color you know, it's we use them for everything um and they've told all of their friends who've told their friends and so it it's just I mean I think not do there's some categories where maybe it doesn't make sense but it, there, in, in many categories, it makes sense to start with a crowdfunding campaign. And that's always the advice that I, I get a lot of uh, budding entrepreneurs coming in with, you know, blankets or blazers or whatever prototypes of something they want to start and they want to go raise venture money for it. And I always say do a crowdfunding campaign first mm. and see, you know, you'll learn a lot from that. Uh, and there's also something to be said for not having, I mean, and this kind of jumps to the seed round, but not having a lot of money in the beginning because you will make yeah. mistakes. And if you have a lot of money, those mistakes are amplified. Yeah, uh, and absolutely. So, yeah. You make mistakes with more money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then they're like way, I mean, the stakes are higher. And I think, you know, unless you're a seasoned entrepreneur with many businesses under your belt, uh, it's actually quite a luxury to be able to start kind of slow. And it, not that I did it slow, but, um, you know, after my crowdfunding campaign, I actually went out to try to raise millions of dollars. Okay. Um, and I was like, look, I had this great crowdfunding campaign. You know, women want this. And I failed miserably at raising millions. And today I am so thankful for that because now I have, you know, a for what I believe, highly valued company uh, for, for where we are. And, uh, and it, it all has worked out incredibly well. And that's because... I, I was able to learn on that 250k right. um, and I made so many mistakes that <laughs> ended up costing maybe 5,000 maybe ten thousand dollars which right. at the time was a lot but if it had cost you know a million bucks I'd be out of I wouldn't even be here today yeah yeah so. it would, the brand would have suffered as well yeah you, you it, can lose five grand and nobody really knows about ex it right? exactly the mistakes are so small and 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 no one noted no one notices because it's so the brand is so small yeah <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's super. Yeah, really cool. Yeah. Okay, so we did crowdfunding. Yep, love that story. So friends and family. So you did try and raise venture. Yep, 
didn't happen. Give me, give me what the before we jump into the friends and family. Yeah. What was the response on the on the venture side? It was just you just haven't proved yourself yet. I mean, what was the what was the reaction at that point? Yeah. Um. Basically, what you just said. We hadn't proved ourselves. Okay. Um. And honestly, uh, as you probably know better than anybody, with all the entrepreneurs you speak to, the barrier to entry is so low now. It takes relatively little money to put up a website and buy a garment or whatever you're selling. Um. That basically anyone can do it at this point. And right. so that makes investing, I, I get it, it makes it harder to know who's gonna be the winner and who's not because uh, you know the, the barrier to entry is so low. And so, I mean, and the other piece of it I think is that um, the venture community, at least in the United States, is um, a little bit like scared to make the wrong bet. And so I didn't get a single no, I only got, oh, we'll watch now, like, we'll, you know, keep us posted on how it goes. And, and no one said no. And when I first started, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to get, you know, $10 million. <laughs> Every venture fund out there is saying, like, yeah, you know, maybe, like, mm-hmm. you email us, you know, when someone else is going to invest. Um, and now I hear people tell me that they've met with, you know, XYZ funds and that they haven't gotten a no and they're really excited. And I'm like, don't get your hopes up. Yeah. That they just yeah. don't say no anymore. Yeah, and no does not mean a yes. No, exactly, exactly. And they're scared that if you do take off like crazy, they want to be able to say, "Yep, we're you know we're oh, in." Interesting. Um, and so so no one says no anymore. Um, but usually a if it's not a yes at the meeting with a term sheet, then it's a no. Then it's pretty much a no. And and. I think it's unfortunate for entrepreneurs who waste a lot of time following up with uh, VCs that yeah. just are dragging their feet. Um, so I wasted a lot of time uh, with such VCs. Um, with, I mean, no, like I get it. I get. I totally get it. Um, but uh, in the end, I had much more luck with angel investors. And when I say friends and family, they're not actually related to me or my friends. Um, they, <laughs> they may be now. They, yeah, now they are. Now they are. That's true. Um, but they're, uh, they're like angel investors. So just, you know, wealthy, accredited individuals who, in my experience, the ones I had good luck with, um, you know, they have had successful careers and they are investing here and there. Mm-hmm. And, and they just like being involved. And, and some of them have some experience with this. And so, that, that, you know, that can be helpful. Others just like to support you know, aspiring entrepreneurs. Um, and so I was able to raise $250,000 from individual angel investors around New York, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you value, how did you present the valuation and the term sheets for that? So how did that, Yeah. a bit of the mechanics of all of that? So for our um, friends and family round, or angel round, I guess we could call it, uh, it was on a convertible note. It was okay. not a, a va- it was not, the company didn't have a valuation. Um, we didn't uh, have... You didn't have to have that conversation. Yeah, we didn't have to have that conversation. It was a convertible note with a cap and a discount, which is a pretty standard mm-hmm. uh, construct, which basically just means that when you do raise money, um, they would have a discount to the valuation. Right. So their money would be worth a little bit more right. than the next round as like a reward for coming in early. Right. Um, and so, so we raised on a convertible note, which also is just less legal work, less yeah. money to try to do that. Yeah. Um, and it was like a one pay. I mean, super simple. Um, Had the angels invested before? So, or were you kind of educating them along the road on that journey? Um, no. The angels that came in in that round all pretty much, uh, no, they all had invested prior okay. to, yeah, so they were all like 
pretty um, experienced angel investors, okay. which also made it a lot faster. Yeah. Um, because that, you know. Yeah. 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 It, been there, done that. Been there, done that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, so that went well and pretty fast. We had one celebrity angel that I was thrilled to join the round, uh, Demi Moore. I don't know if she's, if you're familiar. She's with huge. Okay. I was like, <laughs> Demi Moore's great. Demi Moore's amazing. That's exciting. Um, so she, so that gave a little bit more like clout to the angel round of, yeah. of having her in. Um, so thrilled about that. And, uh, and then as soon as the money hit the bank, I put it, you know, I put in the order for the fabric, I put in the order for the swimsuits, um, I paid my graphic designer and I was like, <laughs> let's get this website up because it was already Q1 and you can't launch a swimsuit company in August. You know, you, you have to launch in April, May, June, like at the very latest June, you have right. basically one season to make all your money. And right. so it was like speed, 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 speed. And there were a few hairy moments. At one point I put in a really big order before for, for our first batch of swim that was going to cost a lot of money before I had the money in the bank. And it was a little bit stressful to do that. And I was like, you know what, you just, if you're going to make a business and be, you know, an entrepreneur, sometimes, I don't know, maybe my risk appetite is just higher than the average person, but I was... Yeah, I think that's such an important thing to kind of underline because people talk about female founders and female entrepreneurs having a lower risk appetite. Right. <laughs> and I don't know about that. I don't know about that either, but I do think that you have to have a risk appetite. You have to be good at the numbers. Right, totally. And you have to, you know, measure and, you know, and, and organize and plan and do all of that stuff. Yep. But you do also have to have that more creative yeah. risk appetite. Absolutely. Because you've got to take those chances, you right? Ha- yeah, there have been so many situations where you pretty much in the early days, you end up betting, what I call bet, betting the company against something. And um, in that case, it was like, okay, either I put in this order now, or we're going to miss this season, even though I don't have the money. And I did that. Um, and then another example, we were launching in Australia last year, and we were down to, you know, very, very low in the bank account. And I needed Australia revenue to boost us in the off season. And so basically put I mean, not the last dollar, but like essentially bet the company on Australia. And I was like, we're sending these suits. We need the money. And it, I mean, look at us now. Like, obviously it worked. um, You bet the company on Australia. I I bet the company. And we sold, yeah, we sold so many suits in our first couple weeks. It was incredible. And suddenly, boom, we had enough to keep going and do bigger things. Um, Fabulous. And so every now and then you have to do that. And if you don't have, you know, any risk appetite, you'll end up just like on a slow, either like, you know, steady or decline. And yeah. we're looking for that hockey stick growth. And, yeah. You know, so. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So that was the 250K angel round. Yep. Then the time frame between that and going out for VC was how long? Um, it was probably about six six months or so okay about six to eight months okay um and during those six to eight months i just ran the company and tried to sell as many swimsuits as possible to show we had some traction yeah um and to have something to show when pitching venture capitalists and um i think you know one thing that now in retrospect i didn't appreciate enough first and i think currently a lot of entrepreneurs don't appreciate is the importance of um, cogs your like basically your unit economics and your and your gross margin mm-hmm. and there's not enough people spend time really thinking about that mm-hmm. and you can raise all the money in the world that you want but if you don't have good margins you'll never ultimately create you know a successful company 
again, unless it's like some deep AI thing. Right. But I'm talking about like consumer. Yeah, consumer place. Yeah. 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 Um, and so, you know, what I learned in those sort of six months of running the company was that we we had a brand that resonated with women. Um, I could see that through you know the Instagram chatter, the community coming on social media, the speed with which we were selling through the inventory when we had it. Um, and, and so we had that and, and it was, so it was resonating, um, and it, we had a good product that women loved, uh, left great reviews always. The thing that I didn't really have was good unit economics because I was making everything domestically. It was very yeah. expensive. Um, and so I had really, really small margins. Um, and, and that's actually one thing I had learned from investors in the, when I was raising my friends and family round, a lot of VCs were like, this margin is okay. way too small, especially okay. for apparel. Um, and so I thought, okay, how can I have an easier time raising venture money? Well, let's get these margins bigger and let's get a better supply chain so that also, as previously noted, I have no background in like product or fashion. And so, but <laughs> all my experiences in, you know, marketing and e-commerce. Right. So I knew the sort of consumer facing side of it, of, of, you know, Facebook advertising and all of that. Yeah. Um, and, and so before going out to investors this time, um, I went out to manufacturers and tried to secure um, a really, you know, beneficial partnership in, in both for both the manufacturer and for Andy. Um, and that was really hard, um, mm. but but really fun. And basically in throughout Q4 of last year, I was going from like manufacturer to I mean, we're sitting in the heart of the garment district right now. And yeah. um, I was going basically, you know, down the road from, from door to door, door to door saying, you know, this can be the next biggest, you know, e-commerce swim brand. Uh, and you guys have the best, you know, supply chain. And, and we ended up signing a deal with uh, the world, you know, one of the world's largest swimwear manufacturers. Um, which was incredibly, uh, I, I won't go into like the details of it, but it's it's a great deal for both of us. We're, mm-hmm. we're very happy. We love, we're like pretty much obsessed with each other, the, the manufacturer <laughs> and Andy. Um, and, uh, and then on the back, so that, and that was going to dramatically increase my margins and give me a better quality product because instead of me having to figure out, okay, how, how do you make this and to do the quality control and everything, I was, I'm, you know, backed by the world's largest manufacturer that knows that makes, you know, right. so, Does so. Does this all day long, so it's a better product, and we would have much better margins mm. uh, with the partnership that we signed. And so, um, and you're still manufacturing in the U.S. We're actually not anymore. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, we're not, and I'm not. You know, it, like to me, that's also fun. Like, I'm very comfortable that's reality. with that because, yeah, because honestly, the U.S. does not excel at swimwear manufacturing. Right. Um, the U.S. is great for certain types of manufacturing, but not we're not like a powerhouse in swimwear manufacturing. And so we manufacture, um, we actually have factories all over the world now, and so some are made in China, some in Taiwan, some in South America, they're just yeah. all over the world, um, and at factories that have been doing swimwear for decades and decades and decades and that make it you know honestly much better um and so our product quality has gone up um and and we have also benefited from economy of scale because once we raised the venture money we were able to put in orders for much more um and so there are a lot of things sort of working in our favor um but so taking a step back once i signed the deal with the manufacturer right then i went out and i said okay this is what we did in in 2017 this is how many we sold these are going to be our you know this is going to be our gross margin this and and the projections were just so much better mm-hmm. um and our supply chain was you know really 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 strong and good and 
Uh, and so then I was able to raise money and, and that one went much faster, um, much faster than I had anticipated. And um, we closed the round, I think, in I probably started in earnest in like January with the money. Oh, this and year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and closed it in March, which wow. is very like, I mean, that's unusual, but um, but the, the power of the manufacturing deal was really important. Okay. Brilliant. So, so who did you go to? I mean, I presume you did your research on your VCs and you went to VCs who were investing in this sector already. Yeah. Did you get any pushback? I mean, you are a woman running a swimwear e-commerce company, so it fits. Right. But did you get any pushback in terms of, uh, you know, your ambition level, your risk appetite, like we've touched on already, your ability to run a big company, uh, all of those things that sometimes female founders say Face. they feel as business, presenting themselves as business leaders. Yeah. I did not feel any pushback on my purse, on me personally, my ability to run a business. Um, I would say our projections were very aggressive. Uh, I definitely did not undercut what I think we can ev- eventually be making. Um, so so all of that was fine. The The pushback that I did get was just that many venture investors didn't believe that women's swimwear was a big enough market okay. or a big enough category, which is crazy because it's what's well, a $28 billion global mm-hmm. market. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's huge. It's massive. And it's growing really fast. Um, it's, you know, we're benefiting from major tailwinds in the way that people are traveling and vacationing and whatever. So, um, you know, it, it, you know, you have some male VCs that are just like women swimwear, like that's not going to be big enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully I will really show, you know, prove them wrong. Um, and, uh, how did you tackle that one in meetings? I mean, I, I guess you were getting that kind of feedback a lot. So you, you honed your pitch. Every yeah. Time. I mean, honestly, the, the biggest, and again, this goes back to, you know, maybe there are some benefits to trying and failing to raise because you learn a lot. And one of the things I had really learned the first time around was this, time wasting and feet dragging and this time around um I was honestly just much much less patient with them and if Mm -hmm. they weren't ready to believe in this and invest in me then I moved on and there are enough investors and enough you know venture funds um that I knew and I wasn't you know it's not like we were trying to raise you know 50 million dollars um we we went out to raise two million and in fact it was way oversubscribed and I was turning investors away by the end um and uh and so if they if they didn't get it and and believe in what this could be and understand and 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 you know understand my vision then I was on to the next. Okay. Um, and so I didn't try to convince anybody, uh, and that was a huge difference from the first time around. And mm. I think just that confidence too really changed the dynamic. Um, mm. And investors are so used to young entrepreneurs coming in and like basically begging, yeah. uh, and that's not a good look. Um, and 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 so you know if you come in, you know that like you don't need it or that you know confident that you'll find it. Um, and so, how did you run those meetings, Melanie? Because I'm, I'm I'm now imagining you coming into yeah. and kind of going, okay, better pay attention because <laughs> you're gonna miss out if you don't. I mean, was it? Yeah. You you kind of took over the room, gave a short presentation, put your ask on the table, and. You know, I didn't even do a presentation uh, the second time around. So the first time around, I had made a pitch deck. I had hired a designer to make it really pretty. I practiced and practiced. Um, and I would come in and put it up on the screen and just present. 
and uh, and everyone would just stare at me, and it created a very different dynamic where you have to be defensive and when they're firing questions. Uh, and so then the second time around when I went to invest, I didn't even have a pitch deck, and I would just come in the room and say, I just want to have a conversation with you and tell you about what we're building, um, and basically acted as though the train was leaving the station, and they could either get on or not. Um, and, uh, and, and um, yeah, and I mean, again, like, by running the business for six to eight months, I had already met more qualified investors just through that work. Okay. Uh, and so, you know, the first time around, I was going into, like, huge VCs that do a lot of, like, AI and big, fancy tech investing. And so it was, like, really, really strange. Whereas the second time around, I already was going to more qualified investors who do seed stage, who do apparel, who do... so. You know, yeah. you wanna, you don't wanna waste your time with investors who do a different sector. Yeah. Um, and then it was just much more confident, um, and uh, and it, and you know, it worked out. <laughs> yeah, really, really cool. Did you present numbers at that point even? Um. So yeah, typically, let's see, what would happen? Um. Yes. So typically, what would happen is we would have a conversation, and mm-hmm. I I knew the numbers in my head really yeah. well. I mean, you you have to know your business, and you have mm-hmm. to you can't go in just confidence with nothing behind it. You, you have to really, really know your business and understand it and demonstrate that you do. Um, and then if the conversation went well, I found that the inv- all the investors that are in the round would say, all right, I'm in at the conversation and then say, you know, send me, they, they want to do their due diligence, send right. me the numbers, the projections, whatever. Um, and so then I would send them the package of materials. And I, I did have a pitch deck, I just never brought it with me. Uh-huh. And I would send it afterwards saying like, but yeah, just almost more like a recap, a reminder of what's, what's happening with the business. And so there would be the pitch deck, there would be the Excel files with the projections and sort of all of that. I would send that afterwards, mm-hmm. but not beforehand. And in terms of valuation, did you get pushed back at that point, or how did you go about how did you go about setting that one? Yeah, that one down. Um, I presume you got advice from a bunch of different people on how to do it, and your angels probably helped you out. Did they? Um, the angels. I mean, the, I'm sure they would have helped me out. We the way I actually found a lead investor first, um, yeah. and which is also saves a lot of time. Yeah. Because then the lead basically basically brought in all the rest. Um, so that's that's what made it really short. Um, and so the lead investor offered a certain valuation. Okay. Um, based on a number of factors. Uh, and I pushed back a little bit on it, um, but ultimately I did feel like the first lob they made was fair, mm-hmm. uh, and I didn't get anywhere with my pushback, and so <laughs> it, it, you know, it is what they offered, but um, I thought it was fair, and I thought you know, I still have a lot to, to prove, and, and I was really impressed with them, and, and they with me, and so, um, and so we, we went forward. I'm trying to think if it's if I'm allowed to say what it is or not. Is mm, don't worry it, about okay. that. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> right. it's, it's, so we it's won't talk about even that. How, even the dynamics of how you do it is helpful for others because the stories, the details of the story are yeah. all different. But oh, totally. like the, so the number itself doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so in terms of the technical pieces, a lot of people think evaluation as a multiple of revenue, um, which I think is not always right, especially when it's such an early stage okay. business. And... Um, and so for us, it was a number of factors. It had to do with, you know, how, how big the category was, it had to do with our manufacturing partnership. It had to do with, you know, our projections for the year, um, and beyond it, it just had your a, background as well. 
yeah, you know? and my background as well. And, yeah, you know, um, and so so we used all of that. Um, and I, I would meet, you know, when I was filling in the last end of the round, I would meet some investors and tell them what the valuation was, you know, pre and post money, and they would say like, what, you know, and they knew what our what our revenue was the previous year, and they're like, whoa, that's a huge multiple on revenue. And I was like, well, you don't get it at this stage. Yeah. You're not doing a multiple of revenue. Yeah. Um, and so that was also a clear sign that like this isn't the right stage for this investor. Yeah. Are they, are they, they're not experienced <clears throat> enough to. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. And, and the investors that you have on board now, are they adding a lot of value outside of the money or is it more a case of kind of, you've kind of got the money so you're just fueling ahead yourselves? Um, they probably would want me to say that they're very helpful. Uh, and <laughs> they are in that it's a really friendly group. It's yeah. not, I, I certainly know, have friends who are founders who have much more aggressive or sometimes even antagonistic investor mm. groups. And mm. um, my investors are great. Uh, they're, they're so supportive. I, say, I mean, I also am very communicative and I think, and very transparent. Um, and I think they really appreciate that. And so we've had some struggles along the way and no one is like, I mean, obviously they're not mean, but no one holds it again. They all, you know, no yeah. one holds it against me or my team. Um, and I've, I've never gotten anything but support and um, motivation and encouragement. Mm. Um, and so in that way, they're very helpful. And then, you know, when I was hiring, I would send an email saying, this is the position, this is the job description. And they would all tap their networks and mm-hmm. send me, you know, inbound leads. So, so that was also helpful. Yeah. Um, so, so they've been helpful. But my, my lead investors, or really all of my investors, no one is actually, you know, from the swim industry. Okay. So there's nothing like strategic specifically on that. Right. Um, but it's, I would say it's very helpful that, you know, my board is so friendly and yeah. so the board meetings are you know, such a pleasure. And everyone does bring really great perspectives from their experience in business. Mm. Just to finish up uh, that kind of relationship with your investors, and you said, you know, in the end, you were in that happy position where you had leverage, where you could actually say no to money. Yeah, I said no to a lot of money. And was, was deciding who to take the money from, I mean, you had the lead investor, I guess, so they were kind of also part of driving that forward. But was it in your mind, can I get on with these people over the long term? Like, were you thinking that way as well? Yeah, it was a little bit of that. It was also a little bit of, like, wanting to bring in the biggest checks just because also, the, you know, I'm a solo founder and I had, at that time, basically no team. And so I had to be really strategic about my time. And there were some investors who were interested at smaller check sizes um, and, they seemed like really nice people, but I wanted to, I didn't want to have to go to like, you know, 20 small check people. I wanted to go to one or two bigger check people, um, just for the sake of time and everything. And, um, so that, you know, check size was a big determinant. Um, I think, or I know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Any final, I mean, this has been so insightful. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, Yeah, really, really helpful and a a fabulous story. Oh, good. Yeah, Uh, of course. What would be your advice to female founders who are just starting off? Then, I mean, you've given loads of advice already. Yeah. And like to sum it all up, like when people, you say people come into you, budding entrepreneurs come into you, like what are the kind of like the, the, you know, the takeaways? Yeah, I mean, my general advice is go for it because whether it works or not, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter if it doesn't work. And Andy could still eventually not work. And that's fine. Like 
you, nothing is ever a guarantee. And so I just think it's so worth going after it and, and really pursuing it if it's something you, you know, want to do. Um, and, and also the other piece of advice, uh, that, that I like to say is, um, don't make it perfect. Like don't wait to launch until you think it's absolutely perfect because you will learn so much from your customer uh, that it's better to just get it out there. I mean, I got it out in four months from when I quit my job and those first products were not perfect and the website was totally like ugly and everything. Uh, but we learned and we were able to make it better in a way that would work and not in some random way in my head. Um, so, so, you know, doesn't need to be perfect. Get it out there. I love that. Don't wait until it's perfect. Just get it to market. Yeah, exactly. Love that. Melanie, cool. thank you so much and good luck with Andy Swim. And, thank you. Um, I will be on your website shortly. Great. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> thank you.